Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for Him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. so honored to have Pastor Gerardo and Pastor William here this morning. They've both spoken into Tiffany's lives more than they, they even know. And along with William's father, If you've never heard his father speak, I'd encourage you to speak. He has such a deep revelation on the kingdom, and so does William. Being raised in, under his father, uh, his father's ceiling is William's floor. See, you want to come on up? I know he's got a mighty word for us. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. It's all good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's lift our hands. You can stay seated. Jesus, we love you. There's no greater joy. There's no greater love. There's no greater satisfaction. Our beloved dove, we ask that you would land upon every life, upon every heart. May every square inch be filled with your presence. Start in us, Jesus. We welcome your presence. I ask that if anybody is sick, that they would be healed. That that word shame that I kept hearing during worship would turn into joy. I thank you for brokenness, God, to become wholeness. Every devil to leave this room. We are lovers of your presence. Take your place, Holy Spirit. May we join the cry of your heart of come, Lord Jesus, come. You are everything to me. Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. You can turn that off, otherwise we won't get anywhere. People are like, man, you guys have a lot of music to work on the people's emotions. You're absolutely right. And the reason you're right is because there's a word Oh, no. All right, there we go. There's a word in, in Hebrew called zamar, and it's a literal offering in which we give the Lord through music. We give the Lord through stringed instruments, specifically is what they did in the Old Testament. Like James, when he's playing, it's actually an offering of praise to God. And worship has the ability to bring your mind places. All right, here's a good example. My brother, I'll make it a little lighter in here. My brother, um, growing up, his first car was my mom's minivan. My brother thought he was a gangster, but he wasn't. (laughs) And in the minivan, although he had Eminem playing, (laughs) he was in the suburbs of Orange County, California. He thought he was from Compton, but he wasn't. 
He was driving a blue minivan, but because of the music that I would never encourage anybody to listen to, <laughs> because of the music he listened to, in his mind, he was a gangster, but he wasn't, right? How many of you know what I'm talking about, right? Women, I don't know. You go through a breakup, you turn on Taylor Swift or something, whatever it is you guys do. But music messes with your emotions and has the ability to take your mind that you can't get to places sometimes without music. And this is from the Lord. They're singing songs around the throne. They're at his feet and they're playing harps. He loves stringed instruments. They cast crowns at his feet as they listen to worship. It wasn't until there was a sound of worship in Acts chapter 2 that the Holy Spirit came. What were they doing? Singing in one accord unto the Lord, and the Spirit of God begins to shake the room. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, it wasn't until the priests were playing a sound in one accord, 120 of them, the only thing they did was blow trumpets. And there was no spontaneous. I mean, I'm all for spontaneous today, but back then it wasn't someone trying to be authentic playing an off note. It had to be one sound unto the Lord. And when it became this one sound of the Lord, a cloud filled the room and they couldn't even stand anymore. And I just don't think that that's only for the scriptures. I think that the living word is still living. It's still active. And I think the Lord wants to fill rooms like that again with worshipers that know first how to tend to the heart of the Lord. Amen. And so can we honor, uh, it's Casey, right? Casey and James. Can we honor them? That was beautiful. Amazing. I, um, I'm so honored to be here. I really am. I, I told uh, Pastor Jason and, and Tiffany, it feels like family here. It just does. And this reminds me a lot of when we started Risen Nation, um, even in a coffee shop. We started in a coffee shop called The Nest and uh, went to a place called Calvary Christian Center, which Craig, it's so crazy. Craig, lift your hand. Craig was an elder at the first church that ever invited me to preach in the United States of America. And uh, and I think you were probably part of the yes of our community coming in. And we literally, the church that he was an elder at in, in the Fort Worth area was uh, where we started in Texas. We, we meet in this upper room prayer tower. The air was not good in there. It was all glass. And in Texas in 110, that wasn't fun. So we sweated out. And we would have a little Bose speaker. And we were hungry to see a group of people gather around the presence of the Lord. And and we would see devils manifest in that room. They wouldn't just manifest, they would leave. And um, sometimes I gotta, we gotta be careful that they didn't just make noise, you know, they got out of the room. But we would see the Lord move in such beautiful ways. So when I saw you walk in, I thought, that's so crazy. What a small world. How did we end up here, you know, at the same time? Um, but anyway, I have no idea what direction we're gonna go, but I just, I honor uh, Pastor Jason and Tiffany. What you guys are doing is beautiful. And, uh, I love it, a house for him. It's what we're pursuing too. And it's a place where God can dwell. I believe he's building dwelling places that are first and foremost attracted to the lamb. That when God walks into a room, he finds people that don't have empty cups looking for their pastor to fill them. But he walks into rooms where everybody's holding oil like the woman in Luke 7 saying, we're ready to pour it on his feet. And how could we as a community come and give him something he likes? Do you know that church is not about you being fed? I know that that's a strong statement, and uh, I'm going to say a lot of strong statements, and I'll do my best to be 
gentle and loving and know that it comes from that heart, but that's what Pastor Jason's for. He'll clean it and (laughs) fix it. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, uh, I, my, my heart burns to see a community of people that realize that, of course, we are discipled. Of course, you have fathers and mothers. Of course, you have people that are in your life to give you meals, but there's no greater meal than what happens in a private room with a closed door when nobody's watching. And I think church has turned into places of therapy rather than places of worship. And today we've got a lot of leaders, and, and, I wanna, and I wanna make something really clear just by being in this room and what happened to me during worship. I want to minister your example today. I, I wanna give you more fuel to what you're already doing. This is uh, clearly a place that is not interested in a program, formula, or schematic. I love how you guys have made room for the presence of God. We felt it last night. How many of you were here last night? Oh my goodness, we, we pulled up about nine something. You guys were still going and we were singing, walking to the Airbnb going, man, you hear the worship happening in this little town. It's, you guys are like, when I walked in, I thought of that verse that says, when Jesus showed up to Galilee, it said a light had shone in darkness. And I feel like it's why you guys are here. It's what you guys are doing. It's what you're called to. You're, this, I feel like you're going to take over the whole city. And, it's, and this is what the kingdom of God is all about. You know, I just last weekend was in Redding, California, and I was over at Bethel. And, you know, Bethel, with what Bill and Chris have stewarded in that area, Redding is like the least likely place. And I feel like the Lord, and I keep hearing this word over and over again, the Lord is picking these least likely places where revivals are going to begin to break out. And I believe it's what God's calling you to today. So I don't want you to receive anything I say today as something that you can do better or not doing. I want you to receive it as we as the body of Christ got to get away from this and get into let's start just speaking it into the atmosphere. Let's start speaking it and so that we can actually change atmospheres over cities. And so I want to give you more fuel to what you're already pursuing. Amen? Deal? But I want to start here. 2017, I had, and just just this will kind of help, honestly, make this shorter or longer, depending on how you respond. How many of you have never heard me before? Just lift your hand. Okay, this is going to be really long. I'm just kidding. So um, 2017... I grew up in uh, ministry. I grew up my whole life, and my dad is a pastor, had churches in three different cities, and, and we just kind of followed them around, and my mom, and my mom led worship. My dad was the pastor, and my dad would say, what breaks up families is when one person feels called and the other parts of the family have to pay the price. He would say, we are all called, and we are all disciples, and we're all signing up for this together, and at five years old, I was like, let's do it, and and he would sit us around the table and he would talk to us about the price that we have to pay as a family. And so we followed him. We would, we, he had a church in Orlando. He had a church in California and then in Dallas. Um, and his brother is Benny Hinn, which was an interesting upbringing for me. If you don't know who Benny Hinn is, just YouTube it and it'll be fun what you find. <laughs> if you put Benny Hinn Star Wars, it'll be really fun what you find. Um, <laughs> if you don't know what I'm talking about, try it. So... Um, I went to, actually, I'm so honored Pastor Gerardo is here. He is one of the leaders within our church, actually started Resonation with me in 2014, and uh, I'm so thankful that he's here, but um, we went to the same high school, played football together, all this stuff, and, and he can tell you 
my brother and I would get into fights in high school because people would say fire on you and wave their hands at us and jackets and all kinds of stuff. And so not that I was hurt or offended with ministry at all. Actually, my uncle and my dad have had the most significant, profound impact on my life that out, outside of anybody. Um, but I just saw so much in growing up in ministry, being around it my whole life, that normal to me would be like, let's have a family and get a nine to five job and be normal, you know? Um, and so I, I did not pursue ministry. I grew up saying I'll never be a pastor and I will never have a church. And uh, now I have three of them. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what happened. And I don't, till today, I'm wondering, uh, Lord, are you sure? So I just, I mean, I'm thankful for what he's doing, but I just didn't believe that's what I was called to. And so um, growing up, I would see these crusades. I remember being eight years old and we saw the, and I was at the Anaheim Pond Arena and 20,000 people are in there and my uncle's blowing in a microphone and half of a stadium's falling over. And I'm on the ground crying as an eight-year-old. I don't know how I got there. And tangible encounters with God and miracles and signs and wonders and all these things were just a part of what we saw. It was a part of ministry. And so growing up, I wanted to see the power, but I just, I got so stuck in the system and the tradition and the power was only happening at the crusades that I thought this is too confusing I'm just going to go to let's get the nine to five and make life easier and so uh really 2012 the Lord gripped my life actually I started working for my uncle pastor Benny which I thought would never happen in a million years and I sold his books for him behind a book table uh and only read like half of one and so people would ask me what it's about and I would just make stuff up and um <laughs> And he would call me up on stage in front of 5,000 people and be like, tell the people what we have. And I would just make stuff up. And he would stand there and know that I was making stuff up and would say, I know what you did in my ear. And, and I just had this really like, like trial by fire type beginning of ministry and was a catcher for him. And uh, again, if you don't know what that means, just type in Benny Hinn on YouTube and, um, and just saw so much. And such an incredible experience and I also and then after that started working for this man named Todd White and it was like I saw these two totally different worlds and all of it in a matter of like seven years and so in 2017 I had accepted okay Lord I know that you're calling me I know that you're calling me to ministry and really in a, in a full I know that we say everyone's in full-time ministry but I'm talking about the vocation of leading people and, uh, and so 2017 comes around, and at this point, I had become qualified, and that's a dangerous place to be, right? I had become good at praying for people. I was seeing people healed. I was seeing people saved. I was starting to become a good articulator in all of the stuff that we, that we think is successful in ministry. We had started Resonation, and, um, and, and with Todd, like everywhere you go, he's praying for people, pulling people out of wheelchairs. I don't know if anyone's ever heard of Todd White, but it's real. I don't think I've ever had a hot meal with him because he's always talking to the waiter. And I don't want to be the guy that's eating while the waiter's crying. So I have to just sit there and wait. And, and so I'm like sneaking the bite of steak when no one's watching when they're both praying. And so it's, I saw all kinds of stuff and, and I got good at doing the stuff. We would go on outreaches when we started Resonation, and we would see miraculous works of God. And so in 2017, I realized, like, I'm seeing people saved every week. I'm seeing people healed every week. But if I'm honest with myself, I feel empty. And I'm driving home one day from a, from a meeting I was actually having with Todd, and, 
And I remember asking God this question. It was like the, the Holy Spirit began to convict me of, do I like really know, know the Lord or do I know how to work for the Lord? And, and I said this to God in this, like with this panting heart of just feeling disgusted with my own inconsistency with God. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Disgusted with my lack of time, lack of devotion, but I was really good at doing the stuff, right? Because you can be around it long enough that you can learn the anointing. You can learn how to work it. You can sing the right song at the right time, the one that everybody knows, get them to lift their hands, get them to engage, and God will move because he's merciful. And you can have a gifting and God will move because you're gifted and he won't take a gift from you. But I started having this fear of the Lord entered my heart of, of I don't want to be Matthew chapter 7 of Lord, Lord, look at all these things we've done in your name. We healed the sick, cast out devils, all these things. And the Lord says, but I don't know who you are. Get away from me. He says, you workers of lawlessness. Wait, you're saying that workers of lawlessness were people healing the sick and doing these good works. He says, outside of knowing me, yes, because now we're using the name of God to see power, but we don't know the name of God, right? Paul said, we have 10,000 teachers, which in Greek means boy leaders, but few fathers, right? I would, if I was Paul, I would have written in there too. I'm not adding to scripture. Don't be mad. I'm just saying, everyone say example. I would also add, we have 10,000 mistresses, but few wives. We have 10,000 people who, who like the, what God gives. They like what they receive, but they don't want to bear the name, right? They don't want to have to carry the weight and the burden that's on his heart. They just want the benefits of God really without the consistent intimacy with God. Now, I say all this not directed at you, but this was me. So in 2017, I was really good at understanding his benefits and working it. And I said this to the Lord. I'll never forget where I was driving, where I was. I said to God, Lord, I don't even know if I know how to pray. Now, I had been in full-time ministry for years at this point, And I heard a voice from my back seat say, now you're asking me the right questions. And as God is my witness, it was like the front door of my car opened and someone sat in the seat, and it was so real to me. Now, I know that he's in us, for all of you theologians, but he's in us. He's all around us. It says of the Holy Spirit that he will be with you and, everyone say and, in you. So there's multiple manifestations of how he comes, right? So he comes, and he sits in the car with me, and it was so real. I drove really fast home and didn't want to look to my right. I don't know if anybody's ever had an encounter with God where you're like, I feel like if I open my eyes right now, they're just going to be a Jewish man sitting in front of me. <laughs> That I've, I mean, it was like, it was that real to me. And, and so I drive home and I run to my room and I just yelled hi to my wife and we had our first, our first born at that time. And I ran to my room and I fall on my face and I begin to weep at, my, at how blown away, how empty, broken, and how I have nothing. And I hear the Lord speak to me, you've never built a home with me. And that's really where this thing in my heart, like a house for him, came from, is you've never built a home with me. And I, and I remember flipping open my Bible to Psalms 91, and it says, those that dwell in the secret place of the Most High will, will abide under the shadow of the Almighty. And that word dwell means marry in Hebrew. So in other words, those that marry him in secret, 
God will abide over you as power in the open. It's the concept of what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, that those that, that come to the Father in the secret place where he dwells. So if you want to know where he is, he's in the private room, right? So your Father who dwells in secret, right, and, and just like it is in Hebrew, your Father who's, who's someone who gets married in secret will, will bless you openly. He will give you power and favor openly but the goal is the key is is you've got to stay married in secret so i i got married to god in 2017 of december and something began to change and and i was i was working it man praying for people in public and seeing all this stuff and all of a sudden it was like i saw the value of heaven as much as heaven values that outside of knowing god gnosko with god which in greek is not just knowing of it is intimately knowing Everywhere you see the word to know, like Paul said, I, I have this one thing I am after, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. What Paul is saying is, is that I may have gnosko with God, not just have good doctrine, theology, and theory, but actually intimately like a husband and wife know each other. There's parts of your spouse that you know that nobody else will ever have the privilege to know called gnosko. And Paul is saying, I want to have gnosko with God. And I fell in love with God. And all of a sudden, all of the ambitions, all of the things I thought I was, none of it mattered anymore. And I started seeing more people healed, more people saved, the less I thought about it. I know that that's offensive to religion because we have been baptized in the church in a religious duty. We have been baptized with this spirit of religion that tells you your acceptance to God is based on the numbers you give him. But do you realize that nowhere in scripture does it say we will stand before him and say we want a million people? You're not going to show him how many people you got baptized. I'm not against churches that put numbers on the walls of how many people they've seen baptized. But I think what heaven values is, is he here? Does he come to a community and go, I know these people? You see, there's this part of our life called the overflowing of oil where I, I, I always pray, we always pray this in our community. I pray that a day comes that when they do want to find out, when did the sick start getting healed? When did the dead start being raised? When did the devils start leaving? That we wouldn't be able to point to any day because we were too enamored by him. And all of a sudden, things just start happening. I'll tell you, the most healings I've ever seen in my life wasn't when someone was getting prayed for. It was always during worship. And that's really what I want to I talk about this today. But I just want to give you some context, okay? Because as I began to know God, the more divinely frustrated I became. <laughs> the more divinely discontent I became going to a tradition called Sunday morning Christianity. I mean, I would go and, and, and preach at places and I, and, I, and I started becoming almost like, Lord, I need you to help me because I'm having, and I need you to just hear my heart. Again, my heart today is, is I wanna just kind of like provoke you. I wanna provoke you. I know it's week one of the NFL. I know, and I'm gonna watch it, so don't worry. I'm not that guy, but... 
but, but what if we all get drawn to our knees today before football? And what if we become so enamored we forget about the pigskin? Like imagine, right? And so, so I, I want you to know my heart is, is just to whet your appetite a little bit today. But I, I started having stuff happen to me that I didn't understand. Like I would hear, I would hear Dan, anyone know who Dan Moeller is? Okay, I would hear, you guys are gonna think it's funny, those that don't. I would hear Dan Moeller, he would tell me, he would say, I've never used an alarm clock. He said, the Lord wakes me up every morning and you know, the Lord like strokes his hair or something all gently. I have to turn on 17 alarms and then I push snooze 33 times, right? I, I just, let's just be honest, you know? I, <laughs> the first time I actually was with Dan, we went to Brazil and it was the first time he ever left the country. And Todd, <laughs> Todd comes up to me and he's like, listen, I need you to put, help Dan get to his room. He doesn't understand anything. The plugs, don't tell him not to drink the water, drink bottled water, don't brush his teeth with it. Like, just help him. He doesn't, he's never been here before. So I'm walking into his room and, and he's like, you know, oh, this is cool. And I'm telling him, hey, like when you brush your teeth, make sure you use a bottle of water because you can get diarrhea, all right? So... <laughs> And, and, and just, you know, I'm showing him everything and he looks at me and he goes, oh buddy, I'd drink the river water out there and be fine. And, uh, and he like really believes. So he just drank the water the whole time and he was perfectly fine. I'm like, wow, believing works. And, um, <laughs> but like, I feel like if it was me, I'd still be in Brazil somewhere in the ground. So I, I, <laughs> I start meeting these guys and this guy, Dan is like, I've never needed an alarm clock. And I'm like, even if you have a meeting at seven, you don't turn an alarm on. He said, no, the Lord just wakes me up, strokes his hair with me. I need all the alarms. I need my wife to hit me. Now it's four kids punching me in the face. Right. <laughs> and so I'm, I didn't, I didn't have that experience. And all of a sudden I start, like, I would hear this. I mean, there was one night I'm sleeping and at like four in the morning, I hear and I jump up out of bed. Now in Texas, we live in, in Tennessee now, but, but even in Tennessee, same. In Texas, we, we are all about our Second Amendment right, okay? So um, I don't know where you guys stand on it, but I feel like when I look at this town, I'm like, yeah, they're probably into it. So, <laughs> I, <laughs> so I, I'm not thinking like Dan Moeller, the Lord's waking me up. I'm thinking, where's my 12 gauge? someone's showing up and I'm not and and I was raised where you know my wife I'm the man I got to go get up and look at it I don't tell her to look and pull the sheets up right so it's my job to protect my home and I go look for my gun and I hear the Lord say I just want you to come away with me <laughs> put the gun away and no, I didn't get the whole gun out but I I started having these weird experiences where I was getting woken up at night where I would feel tugging on my legs I started having these encounters that I would only hear people talk about, but I didn't realize how I don't have to be some famous anointed preacher to have this level of intimacy with God. I don't have to be in full-time ministry behind a pulpit to have this level of intimacy with God. I mean, where I found the Lord was on an assembly line at a warehouse and he'll meet with us, right? So I, I'm starting to have all these encounters and the more intense the encounter gets, the more that religion becomes disgusting to me. And the more intense I get enamored by what's possible alone, I think to myself, man, could you imagine if hundreds of people came together not to be healed, but just to tend to the heart of this man? 
right? Because what I saw growing up was I saw Madison Square Garden packed with 30,000 people and 5,000 outside, and the Lord moved in power. I mean, they would put 50 wheelchairs on stage just to flex at what God was doing, right? And I've seen it. I've watched a tumor dissolve off of somebody's neck. I have watched a girl show up in London, England. We were My uncle was doing a crusade in Westminster Hall, and she shows up, and she has never walked in her life. And my uncle yells at my cousin and I to go get her out of the wheelchair and bring her up on stage, and her legs are dragging. And he tells us, I want you to walk in a circle on stage until she starts walking. And I'm thinking to myself, if this doesn't happen, we're not going to look very good as a family. <laughs> and if you've ever seen my uncle, he's a violent, aggressive little man. And so... <laughs> He's like screaming at my cousin and I to have faith and walk. And I'm thinking, this is your service. Like, why do I have to do this? And so we're walking in a circle in front of 5,000 people for 15 minutes. And all of a sudden, the girl's legs start moving. And I think, to, and, and, and as much as you're excited, it, it's like, it creates this divine like dissatisfaction inside of you of how much is possible that we haven't stepped into. So what we do is, is we just talk about Smith Wigglesworth. We just talk about Brownsville because it's, because it stirs us. And I, and I am a, like a revival history nerd. I love that stuff. I love reading about Smith Wigglesworth in train cabins and people are walking by just getting convicted of sin and coming and kneeling down next to him saying, I need to repent and getting saved, and he's just in the room. I love those stories, but but I don't I don't want to just talk about Smith Wigglesworth my whole life. I, I want to experience it. If the Bible says that the first sign of a believer is casting out devils, why is that not a part of our membership in church? I mean, Jesus says, go raise the dead, cast out devils, and tell them the kingdom of God is near. In other words, don't preach the kingdom without demonstration. Right? Paul said in first. Corinthians chapter 2, he said, I didn't come to you with human words of wisdom and eloquent speech, but in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power. And so I, I, I went to church. I got invited to churches. And I'm thinking, Lord, if I'm honest with myself, you're not here. And I say it humbly, but it began to eat away at me. And so what I would see happen is, is I would see these amazing crusades, and in a way, it hurt the church because people go back to their churches and they don't find him the same. And pastors with pure hearts longing, longing to know how do we have this in our church. And I believe that there is a secret we find in scripture that says make the house for him. And when you make the house for him, what's gonna happen is is people that come in every week beaten up with life. Your dog died. I don't know what happened to you. Pastor, please help. We wonder why pastors are suicidal because we're carrying burdens we were never intended to carry. We were supposed to be just one with a jar of oil. We were intended to be like master waiters at a restaurant, and our job is to prepare a table for the Lord and invite people to come sit at it. Right? And so... I saw all of the, the glory and the wonder, and it made me discontent. And then the Lord said, start a church. And I'm thinking, oh. 
<laughs> at Calvary Christian Center in the colony, Texas. And over the past five years now, we really have watched the Lord do an amazing work, and we don't claim to have anything figured out, but I think we've overcomplicated it. I think we're in a moment like, you know, King Hezekiah generations after David is dead. Generations later, he's carrying the heart and the spirit of David, and he shows up, and the Lord speaks to him. The Levites have left their post. The ministry to God is not happening. And King Hezekiah shows up at 25 years old, and he gives a command to the Levites, we've got to get the debris out of the holy place. And they go into the holy place, and they take all the additions, all of the programs, all of the things we've added to help the Lord get it all out of the holy place, and make it all about him again. I mean, David hired 10,000, almost 10,000 people on his own dime. What they would say is close to a billion dollars in his personal money funds 4,000 musicians, 4,000 gatekeepers, and 288 singers, and says to them, your full-time occupation is surround the ark and sing songs to the Lord. And Acts 15, 16, right? And, and David broke every rule. He broke every schematic. He's like, I want the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of God. I'm going to put it in the middle of everything and just put a tent over it. He didn't follow any of Moses' instructions. It wasn't glorious like Solomon. He's a, a man from the line of Judah, not a Levite, which you had to be of the line of Levi to be a high priest. But he's acting like a high priest and not dying. Because he had this heart that said, I have one desire. Psalms 27, 4, one thing I seek and desire that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold his beauty. And he said, if I could just get his presence back in the center again and surround a nation around it, God will come. Not just in us individually, but we will see. I think he got a glimpse of Revelation 4 and 5. I think he saw, wait, the way heaven operates is 10,000 upon 10,000 surround his throne, throwing crowns at his feet, and the only word they can come up with is holy. So he thought, if that's what they're doing up there, might as well do that down here. And in Acts 15, 16, it says that God in this hour, in this day, will rebuild the tabernacle of David so the whole world will know how to seek the Lord. And I believe the Lord is gathering communities like this. He's gathering singers and musicians, what Lindy Conant is doing in, in Southern California. He's gathering people that are saying, we are desiring with all of our hearts to exit a system and get around the ark again. And I think what's going to happen is these communities are going to begin to pop up. Houses of habitation are going to begin to pop up all over the earth that have this heart's desire of we just want to get around the presence again. We want his presence to become the main attraction. What our youth kids need is his presence. You see the little girls up here? Like they, they, are, they are at this age sensitive to his presence. We don't need secular music to win the youth. We don't need to look like the world to win the youth. They have it in them. My little two-year-old boy, uh, he was, you know, he's obsessed with my bed, of course. And uh, the other night, he has this little dog that he, <laughs> this little stuffed animal that he brings everywhere. It smells like sneeze. It's disgusting. <laughs> he never, you all know that smell, right? He he never, <laughs> so was, yeah, yeah, it's the most response I've gotten today. No, I'm just kidding. So my son, he, like, if we put it in the washing machine, he's 
screaming, crying for 45 minutes until this thing is clean, right? He's obsessed with it. And he calls it Bella. And so we go to bed one night and it's like midnight. I'm already falling asleep and he's shaking me going, Bubba. So they call me Bubba, my Bella, get my Bella. And I'm thinking, I'm go to sleep, you know? And he's crying and so I'm like, you go get it. And, and I knew where it was, it was in the playroom, but it's dark. And so he really builds up the courage and he starts walking toward the playroom, little buddy. And he's like, and he comes running back into our room and he's crying, he's weeping, crying. And he's going, it's dark, it's dark. And I'm annoyed, I'm like, uh, and so now I got to get up and I'm holding him and I'm walking him to the playroom to find his little Bella. As I'm walking, I hear a voice say to me, it's in him to hate the dark and love the light. And I start crying now. Now I'm happy to get Bella, right? Because <laughs> I'm thinking like it's in our kids to be so, they haven't been out long enough to forget. It's in their spirit, right? Ephesians 1:4, chosen in God before the foundation of the world, it's in them to know there's something about turning the light on and they smile. There's something about it being dark and there's fear and they have to, you have to tell them, no, you're the light in the darkness and they've got to grow and they've got to mature, but it's in the next generation to be sensitive to God. And my question is, is what are we giving them? Are we giving them religious tradition and religious duty and teaching them that Sunday is a part of our life? Or are we showing them, no, 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 we as a family are going to marry God in secret. And what's going to begin to happen is, is our kids are going to become divinely discontent as we are divinely discontent and be on this like search and discovery of how can I find more of him? I was thinking about it during worship of I love coming to new communities and meeting new people, not because I just like meeting new people, but I feel like I'm on this constant search throughout the world of where can I find more of him in people? And I'm sitting here and, and feeling a different expression of worship than I feel at our own church thinking, wow, another piece of your presence and your body, no offense, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> None taken, Tiffany said, yeah. We're driving here last night going, where are we going? It doesn't stop and all I see is black. And then light in the midst of darkness. <laughs> but I think to myself, God is establishing a home. What is the name of this city that we're in? Holden. Holden? Wow. He's establishing a home in Holden. Nobody knows about Holden, but they will. But they will. Because there's people here with oil. So all that to say, that was a really long introduction. I'm just kidding. I'm not going to be much longer. <laughs> I really got to nothing. I want you guys to open your Bibles, Matthew 25. Actually, nope, changed my mind. Zechariah 4, sorry, trying to be obedient. Go to Zechariah chapter 4. If you don't know where Zechariah is, I can't help you. I have to find it and then put the thing in it. If you went to Matthew, you went too far. If you went to Psalms, you went too far. It's in the middle somewhere. Zechariah chapter 4. And I say everything I have said up to this point to get to this one thing. In this hour, we are in desperate need of oil. How many of you would say you maybe currently are in a place of having this divine discontentment in your heart, wanting more of God? Okay. My goal is, is that by the end of today, every single one of us is like the deer panting for the water. And, and don't think you're empty. You're just hungry. 
You might feel distance from God, but do you know that a sign of health is when you think, man, I'm empty in my stomach and I need more food. You should be afraid if you don't want more. You should be afraid if you don't feel empty. It's an invitation of it's time to eat another meal. So, and I want you to know, this is the, the desire of the Lord. Jesus himself, you guys in Zechariah 4? We'll get to it. Jesus himself, in John 17, 24, he lifts up his eyes and he looks to heaven. And he begins to pray and he says, Father, I desire. There's nowhere else in the New Testament Jesus uses the words, I desire. In other words, let me tell you what's in my heart as God. What's in my heart as God is, is that, Father, I pray they be with me where I am and they behold my glory. Well, we just quoted Psalms 27, 4. Jesus would have read Psalms 27 when David said, one thing I seek and desire, that I may dwell in your house and behold him. Jesus just repeats Psalms 27, 4, going, this man found my desire. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. That same man that in John chapter 2, after he's baptized in the river Jordan and he sees a dove descend upon him and remain, in John chapter 1, in John chapter 2, now this dove is upon his shoulder and he goes to church. He goes to the temple. And when he gets to the temple, I want you to see the desire in God's heart. When he shows up to the temple, he walks in with a whip. And he sees doves now inside of cages. The word is pigeon, but it's the same word in Greek. The same word that says a dove came upon the Lord and descended and remained upon him is the same word when you see that pigeons were in cages. So I want you to get the picture. Jesus experiences a dove descending from heaven and remaining, and then he goes to church and he sees a dove inside of a cage. And he starts ripping the cages open. He starts flinging a whip around like Indiana Jones and flipping tables. That was his first day at church. I know that in the picture, we all got the, you know, the blonde hair, blue-eyed man that is holding a lammy. No, this was a Jewish dude, probably a little bit brown, walking in, flipping tables upside down. Nothing like what we have had a depiction of, of, I love that side of the Lord, because his wrath is literally violent passion jealousy. That's what it means. The wrath of God is my violent jealousy. Mike Bickle says, the wrath of God is that which rips away anything that hinders love. And so the invitation today is, is that, Lord, you would come and flip every table, that you would come and release the dove again, because we don't understand the Holy Spirit, so we put him in a corner. Right? And, and we're going to see it in Zechariah 4 in a minute, but today we've got a church that is sleeping and okay with the dove being in the corner because religion only receives that which it thinks it can control. So we got the father down, we got the son, but then we go to Holy Bible because we don't understand the wind. This is what John 3 describes the Holy Spirit as, that he's like his ministry. The mark of his ministry is like the wind. You don't know where he comes from. You don't know where he's going, but you feel him and see, and you can feel the results and the effects of him. And anybody that joins his ministry becomes like the wind where you can't really define him. He's a comforter, but he's also a convictor. He's a friend, but he's also Lord. Right? And this Holy Ghost, who is Jesus now unlimited, omnipresent, in us, with us, all around us, who walks with us, who makes us 
as irresistible to Jesus as the Holy Spirit is, is irresistible to Jesus. It's why it says the spirit and the bride say come. In other words, he's teaching us what he likes so that when we with the Holy Spirit ask Jesus to come, he will. Right? So you have this side of God, this Holy Spirit side of God that you see the Father and the Son almost protective over. You can say anything you want about me. I love this one, Jesus. You can say anything you want about the Son, but the Holy Spirit, no. Kind of like you talk about me, fine. You talk about my mom, we have a huge problem. Right? And so I feel like we as a people need to become more protective over the Spirit of God. Right? He can be grieved, the scriptures say, which means the implication is, is he'll leave. I love that it says that he remained upon Jesus. He found a resting place in which he liked. I thought we should add the little dove too. I love that. That's, he found a resting place in which he, we're going to steal your logo, by the way. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> found, is it trademarked? Not trade. Good, 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 good. I think it's so crazy we do that today in church. Like, let's trademark Jesus. What is wrong with people? That's right. Come on. <laughs> we need a resting place for the dove to come and find a home in people and in, in corporately. And we've got to understand what the Holy Spirit is wanting to pour out. Okay, so now we're in Zechariah 4. Start in verse 1. We're just going to read through this really quick. Is it already? Tw is it really 1230 right now? God have mercy. Okay. Then your clock's broken too. Anyway. I'm going to say it's 10. Let's go. So, and the angel who talked with me, all right, the angel who talked with me came again and woke me up like a man who was awakened out of his sleep. And he said to me, I want, and, and I want to just, let's just think about this for a second. I want you to get the picture. Someone's sleeping. Let's put the church in there. And an angel comes and he wakes up Zechariah out of his sleep. And he says, what do you see? He said, I see and behold a lampstand of gold with a bowl on top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And there are two olive trees on the right and one on the left. And the angel who talked with me said, or I said to the angel who talked to me, what are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said, do you not know what these are? I said, no, my Lord. And he said, this is the word of Zerubbabel. I'm just kind of jumping through, paraphrasing. This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O gray mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain, and you shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house, and his hand shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the days of small things shall rejoice, and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. And then jump down. We're going to jump to the middle of verse 11. It says, what are these two trees, olive trees on the right and on the left of the lampstand? The second time, I answered and said to him, what are these branches of the olive trees, which are beside the golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out? I want you to listen to that language. There's, there's golden oil being poured out. He said to me, do you not know what these are? I said, nope. He said, these are the two anointed ones who stand by the Lord of the whole earth. 
the, the NASB, it says it like this, the two, I believe it's the NASB, I could be wrong, but it says the two sons of oil that stand before the Lord in the whole earth. Okay, so here's the picture. If you're thinking, what, well, what does that mean and what does that have to do with anything we're talking about? Here's the picture. You have a lampstand, a beautiful lampstand, and you have a bowl on top of the lampstand, and you have golden pipes going, flowing from two olive trees, which are producing oil, two olive trees flowing through the golden pipes, filling the bowl of the lampstand. And it says that this picture of a lampstand with two olive trees flowing oil into it, that this picture is summed up in these words, it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. So let's, let's look at a New Testament example. Matthew 25, there's 10 virgins. And the Lord's giving us this parable, and he says, five are wise, five are unwise. And what is the, what is the depiction he uses? He says, the five that are unwise have a lampstand, but no oil. The five that are wise not only have a lampstand, but they have oil. They've got a lamp with oil in it and an oil reserve. And it says that when the bridegroom comes, the ones that don't have oil go looking for the ones that do and say, can you give me some? And they can't. This is why I believe pastors, like the suicidal rate of pastors is unbelievable. It's like over 20 something percent of pastors are depressed or suicidal. You know why? Because I think there is a demand today from people of give me some of your oil. We chase men that are anointed. Give me, but you're actually, you can't give away oil. You can't. All you can do is teach them to get their oil filled, right? In Revelation 3, he says, I'm counseling you, in verse 18, buy gold from me refined by fire. Buy clothes from me that you might cover your nakedness. Let, let me give you the eye salve that you might see again. You can only get it from where we started in that secret room when no one's watching, right? So, so it says that when they go and they try to buy the oil, they come back and they're not let into the wedding. So as leaders, we have a mandate and that mandate in protecting the holy things is we tell the church with zeal and with passion we need oil because the bridegroom is coming. And people will call it offensive. People will call you guys as a church, a church that is so intense. That's what we're always told. You guys are just so intense. There's no happiness. They tell us. Like, like calm down a little bit. I don't know why you're so excited about the Lord and, and passionate. But in our culture today, and what we're seeing happen in the world and the darkness, the deep darkness that's covering the earth, Today, we call love, if somebody's going down a wide road, make them feel accepted, that's love. But the scriptures teach me that true love is when you see a generation going down a wide road, that you actually tell them to stop, that you confront them and you put them on a narrow one again, right? So love is not accepting, listen, it's not accepting homosexuality. That's not love. Listen, lo we, they're welcome to come in here, but they're not allowed to leave gay. See, oh my gosh, he said that word in church. Do you see? This is called religion. This is what the spirit of religion does. It muzzles leaders. It muzzles fathers and mothers. It muzzles churches to go, well, what does culture tell me I can do? Forget about culture. What does the word tell me that I can do? 
right? Like, I, I, I love, I, I think it was T.D. Jakes. One time they asked him, well, what do you think about same-sex marriage? He said, what do I think? It doesn't matter what I think. He said, what does the Bible say? Now, I, don't, I hope he still thinks this way. But what does the Bible say? What a profound statement. We don't need any more opinions behind a pulpit. Even if it hurts, tell people the truth. Because if you love them, you want them in the wedding. So my cry today is not to bash a bride. My cry is to find her. All right. So in Matthew 25, we really see this picture of Zechariah 4, right? Which is we need a lamp, which is influence in Scripture. It's what the world sees. It's, it's the ministry. It's the church. It's what God calls you to. It's what you shine. It's let your light so shine or your lamp stand be seen before the earth so that they can glorify your Father in heaven. But here's what the scriptures are telling us, but there's a requirement called oil. And so here's what we've got today. We've got a lot of charisma more than we've ever had in generations. We've got production unlike anything we've ever seen in previous generations. We have lights and smoke and sound. And listen, there's never been a time, an hour, where we have more gifted articulators. Like they call themselves wordsmiths, right? like more gifted speakers than we do now that are building massive followings and have uh, people that, that are their like clothing designers. Like this is what has, has happened in the church, right? And we're amazed at the lampstand, but there's no oil. Worship sounds better than it ever has, but I'm not seeing the healings like we used to, right? I mean, anyone see Jesus Revolution? Raise your hand. That, I, that movie was so incredible. I mean, after I saw that movie, I was like, gee, we're lighting everything on fire. We're going to a beach somewhere. And, <laughs> and we probably, I mean, it was smart we didn't do that. But I, I, I was so stirred after that movie. And one of the things I thought of is like the band Love Song, I'm sorry, guys, like I'm going to offend a lot of you that maybe were a part of the Jesus movement, was terrible. They did not sound good at all, right? Just not, and maybe you're into that. I, it doesn't, but... I'm sorry, like Bethel music just sounds better. I, I don't know what to tell you. But you know, and nothing to Bethel, nothing to any of us, but the oil's not the same. The anointing is not there. You see, I grew up where, I, I remember one time my uncle again went into hallelujah. You know that song? Hallelujah. And I thought, this is like the one millionth time this guy has done this song. <laughs> just, just on the little tour we were on every night and and when he went into that song all the security people are like bodies are about to hit the floor fourth quarter because you know just how he does it when hallelujah hits stuff's gonna start happening but every time he goes into that song the same song with the same lyrics the room changes every single time and i remember thinking to myself oh this song again i heard the lord speak to me it might be old to you but it never got old to him and so today we've got albums and money and we want royalties off of an offering, polluted. And we've got to stand up if we love God's people and say we have polluted this thing and we wonder why there's no oil. And I think God's raising pure offering kind of houses. Houses that aren't looking to become rich and famous off album sales but are going to give something to God and say this is our gift to you. Right? And so we've got charisma, we've got all of the glory, all of the stuff, but the oil is not what it was. And so 
My problem is, is that growing up, I, you experience it, and then the counterfeit just doesn't work anymore. You guys know what I'm, I'm saying? So we've got to begin to understand what is the anointing. And I just want you to make a few notes, and then we're going to be done. The word anointing, okay, in the Old Testament in Hebrew, it means this, a smearing or a special endowment of the Holy Spirit. It's a smearing or special endowment of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, anointing was, was used as oil, right? So in the Old Testament, when, when someone was being uh, ordained as a king or a priest, they would take the anointing oil and they would smear it on the king or they would smear it on the priest and the anointing put them in their office. It was, it was you are now equipped to serve in the, the service of God's people, to serve in the service of the Lord's house, and you were anointed for a task. It's important. It wasn't just anointed to build something. You were anointed with a specific task. And so we see in the Old Testament, oil describes the anointing. You even see it in the new when they say, if you, need, if you need to be healed, go to the elders of the church that they might pour the oil, anointing oil upon you and pray for healing, right? So what oil was in the Old Testament, the pouring out of oil, like upon David, and it was never dependent on if you had the gifting, the skill. What I love about, you know, we all know it, the story of David is, is that David is the youngest one in the field, and all the ones that look like they should be anointed are standing waiting for Samuel to pick them. God says, I haven't chosen any of them, but he picks the one probably least gifted, least likely, because the anointing, the way the anointing works was you can only receive it by surrendering to it. And so because the Lord wants the credit, he doesn't go for the strongest, he goes for the weakest. That's why this, the kingdom, listen, it says the last will be first and the first will be last. And the weaker parts of the body, he says, are worthy of more honor. Because it's the ones that don't feel gifted, that don't feel called, that all of a sudden God anoints them. My uncle had a stuttering problem, couldn't hold the conversation. The first time he preached, his mouth got hot and God completely healed him. Right? And God has a way of taking people that don't feel called, don't feel gifted or qualified, and he says, this one is actually ready. It's the ones that feel like they can give something to God, ones that feel like they have a gift. And I'm not saying if you're gifted and talented that there's anything wrong with that, but there's, there's a difference between being gifted and being anointed. We have a lot of gifted, amazing people today, but I'm sorry, I, I was telling Pastor Gerardo earlier this morning, I've been to, and I won't say any names, I've been to like these major concerts, worship, worship services, and I don't, I mean, I don't know exactly know if it's worship, but I've been to it, right? And, and you forget to worship because you're so distracted at how wonderful the production is. You forget to lift your hands and engage with God because we have overproduced and polluted and added to the debris in the holy place. Right, But then you come into a room like this and you got two people and one person on a stringed instrument with little speakers and you can't close service, not because it sounds the best, although it sounded amazing, not because it sounds the best and we've got the best line array you've ever seen in the world, but because there's oil. But because the anointing of the Lord, which is his smearing is here. Right? And so in Acts Chapter 2, you see what was the pouring of oil in the Old Testament now becomes the pouring of the Holy Spirit in the New. Same thing. You couldn't be in ministry. You couldn't serve God unless you were smeared with oil. 
So it, it uses even the same language. I will, Joel 2 says, I will pour, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, right? And so you see what the pouring of the oil of the Old Testament was is now the pouring of the Holy Spirit in our day. God is still anointing people, right? He's still anointing people for service. And here's the beautiful thing. In the Old Testament, it was only for the priesthood and it was only for the kings. In the New Testament, everyone gets to be anointed. And then in the Old Testament, it was only for the line of Levi could have the oil poured. It'd be poured on Aaron. Aaron would take off his garment and he'd put it on his son. He would take off his garment and he'd put it on his son. And it was only for that line. In the New Testament, he says, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And we're all, Revelation 1.6, going to be all a kingdom of priests unto the Lord. Again, we're going back to the beginning of what will happen if we all walk in anointed. So like I said, I, I walked into stadiums and I saw stadiums fill around one guy that was anointed that if he prays for me, I'm going to get healed. And I would tell you what will happen if a whole stadium begins to fill and everybody is like that man on the stage. What will happen over the atmospheres of cities when stadiums fill and everybody's walking through the doors with oil for the lamb's feet? So if in those days, because of the anointing, if in those days I watched, I mean, I have seen it with my eyes, all my uncle would do is start singing and I would watch people jump up out of wheelchairs. And he would say, the secret is, is minister to God and see what he does. Don't focus on the healing, just look at the healer, right? And so you see this kind of stuff, right? The, the, again, I'm just, I, I feel like I just go anywhere I'm invited and vent. That's like my, <laughs> but I have a problem. The problem is, is when he touches you, how do you go back? How do you just become okay with religious duty and activity with no glory, with no anointing and no healing? And we leave excited for football. What are we doing? Why are we wasting our time? Exodus 33, Moses is given an offer. Listen, Moses, I'll give you success. And I'll destroy all the ites and you'll get into the promised land. I'll send an angel with you, but I'm not going. Moses says, time out. In other words, Moses, you can have an angel and success. You can have a mega church, success, perfect family, perfect job. I'll give you everything you could ever want, but I'm not going. Moses says, I don't want to go. In other words, I'd rather be in the wilderness with you than the promise without you. And how many people have sold out for the promise without him and left him in the wilderness? We've got to get back to the oil. We've got to get back to this zealous thing that says in our hearts, Moses goes on and he says, it is only your presence that distinguishes us. And I've been to too many churches where the distinguishing mark is not the presence, but the program. Where the distinguishing mark is not the affection of people, but the production of the team. There's no, there's, listen, the only thing that makes this gathering different than a political rally is the presence of Jesus. So what are, we, what are we looking for? What are we desiring? What are we pursuing? What are we after? And so I saw one time, a, my uncle is worshiping, and a lady had a baby, got into an accident, and she became paralyzed from the waist down. Can you guys come back up, and can you play the same pad, do everything you were doing before. This lady comes up and she jumps up out of a wheelchair. She's a two-year-old little girl. She jumps up out of a wheelchair 
And she comes running up with her brothers. This is in Fiji. She comes running up with her brothers, and they're all screaming and crying. And he says, what happened? What's going on? She starts to tell him, paralyzed from the waist down, I've never stood up and hold and held my daughter before. I've never been able to play with her. But while we were worshiping, here it is, while we were worshiping, I felt heat begin to go through my body. And she stands up out of the wheelchair, and then here comes a little two-year-old working her way through the crowd. And she runs into her mother's arms for the first time in her life. And then we go to church on Sunday. And nothing, no, listen, I'm talking about us. Some of the most significant changes we've ever gone through at Risen Nation was when enough of us got agitated. I mean, I, I remember it was, it, was, it was June. No, it was May 2022. Last year, so much has happened. May 2022, and I stand up in front of the church one morning, and the place is packed wall to wall. Everything that you would deem successful to be was present. And I was so discouraged when I left. I don't know why, but we didn't see the power of God. There was no, there was no oil, but it was a really good service. And I went to my dad. I said, am I unthankful? Am I not grateful? He said, you need to get alone with God. And he spoke specific things to me. And I called Corey Russell. Anyone know who Corey Russell is? Corey's part of our fathering team. And, and I called him and I said, I am so frustrated because I've got a big church, but I'm struggling to find God. And he goes, this is God's gift to you. And I'm like, this gift sucks. <laughs> this is what I said to him. He said, this is God's gift to you, the divine frustration of the gap. I had no idea. What, what are you talking about, Corey? And he said, if you want God to move, you better begin to pray. If you want the Holy Spirit to move, you better actually stand by a house for him. This, I mean, we literally say a house for him. You better stand by that and give God a house. And so I said, all right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to stand up in front of my church on the next Sunday. And this was now in June. I said, I'm going to stand up in front of my church, and I'm going to tell them, guys, we're going to start praying at 6 in the morning. And I thought three people were going to show up because that's usually what happens in prayer rooms, right? So I stand up in front of our group, and again, it's packed wall to wall, and the power goes out. And I'm thinking, of course, such a big announcement. And I hear the Lord say to me, I'm turning all the production off. And our group's nuts, and they're telling me, he's pre yelling, preach in the dark. And so I preached in the dark, and it was the best service we've ever had. And they couldn't see me, and I couldn't see them. Nameless, faceless. It was beautiful. And I said, listen, I'm going to get here at 530 in the morning. I told our production team, I'm telling everybody for the first time. And I said, I'm going to pray. And, and I'll do the sound. I don't want anybody to be burdened. This isn't an obligation. You have to want it. And so I, I had my team show me how to turn the soundboard on and do all the stuff. And I thought Gerardo was going to be there, my brother, because they have to. And they were paid. And, and, <laughs> and so I show up at 530 in the morning, and there's a line outside. And we ain't ever have a line outside. And let, well, Easter, there was a line because people come every three years and for Easter. But, but there's a line at 530 in the morning. And from June to September... I would say 80% of our church showed up every day at six in the morning. And this, and it started in the morning and then it went to night and I'm overwhelmed as a local pastor going, I didn't realize how hungry the people were 
And all we had to do was give them something to do with it. And things began to happen and healings began to take place. And I thought, all it took was us actually doing it. I promise you, God, like not moving in power and glory, it's not on his part. It's on our part. And all God is looking for from a generation is going, can we become div divinely enough frustrated to say, Lord, what we're doing isn't working. And just being an attendee as a church isn't working. And I feel like there's an invitation. Zechariah 4 brings it all together as you stand to your feet. There's this invitation of don't just be a lampstand. Let's go get the oil. Zechariah makes this statement. He says, we won't get there with our might. We won't get there with our power, but it'll only be by the Holy Spirit. And so making this this declaration, this proclamation that says, Lord, when we say that this is a house for you, we actually mean it. So let's lift our hands. And this isn't just for the leaders. God wants to make you a priest inside of your home. God wants to make you an anointed mother, an anointed father, an anointed businessman, an anointed businesswoman, an anointed teacher, an anointed student. And you have not because you ask not. And I feel like the Lord just wants to pour his anointing out. And I really do believe in my heart that that all I came to do today was to give you fuel to what you're already filling up. To whet your appetite and to stir you, to begin to cry out. There's a groan that God is beginning to put into a generation that sounds like this, Lord, we want more. So I want you in your own way, I want you to forget who's around you. And I want you to give God an offering with your voices and sing to him, worship, whatever you want to do. But in your own way, I want you to begin to ask him, listen, we could lay hands on you and all that stuff, but this is something that nobody can give you you have to be like the bowl on the lampstand and say lord i want you to attach these pipes to me which is the intimacy of your holy spirit and i want you to begin to pour inside of me come on he's here and i want you to begin to ask him just ask him right now to do it ask him to do it ask him for more ask him for more some of you are still just standing there i want you with your mouth to say lord pour your anointing into me I thank you, Holy Spirit, that this is going to be an epicenter, an epicenter, an epicenter. Can you turn the pad up just a little bit? This is going to be an epicenter of oil and glory, that people are going to come here and find a well that's constantly pouring out and fill it up and fill it up and fill it up till there is a people of your presence, till there is a people overflowing. Come on, begin to ask. Let that well begin to break forth. Let that well begin to break forth. I believe God is about to bring the Lyric House to a new dimension of zeal, to a new dimension of passion. If you think you're called the wild people on the corner now, wait till, wait till you see what God's going to do. Come on, begin to ask him for it. Begin to ask him for it. Keep going.
Come on, don't just stand there in silence. I want you to open your mouth, get uncomfortable, and ask God. Ask God. Yeah, come on. I pray, Lord, you heal those who are sick in body. We want your demonstration today, Holy Spirit. Oh, you reign, oh, you reign in our God. Jesus. Come on, guys, lift your voices. Sing it. Lift your voices. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. voice sing every voice use your mouth and sing every voice come on he comes when we adore him he comes in worship he comes when we adore him Hey, the uh, Jonas, Jonas, are you three know each other? Can you three come here, please? Just close your eyes and lift your hands. We're almost done. Father, I thank you. Come stand in front of me right here. 
I just, uh, no, 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 face me, face me. Don't worry about that. Come stand here. I looked at you three and I heard the word plumb line. And I think the Lord's building a plumb line into this relationship. Lift your hands, close your eyes. I don't want anybody looking around. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to send young people to this region that are going to build altars, that are going to stand out from the rest. I don't know why I hear this, but it's not somewhere else, it's here. It's not somewhere else, it's here. And I thank you, Lord, that you're building it into them, that you're building it into them. And I thank you for the anointing of your Holy Spirit to hit the next generation. Come on, lift your hands. That you're raising up young prophets and young apostles and young leaders who are starving, that are like deers panting for the water brook. So, Lord, I ask you to release a fresh anointing upon them in Jesus' mighty name. Someone help me. Come on. Release a fresh anointing, God, upon them in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. A fresh anointing. Hold on, just hold on on the guitar. Just keep your eyes closed just for a second. Just sing in the spirit just for a second. Lord, I thank you that you're building a plumb line in Lyric House. It'll be like a model kind of place. Turn the pad on. Just the pad, just the pad. If you need healing in your body, would you just lift your hand? You need healing. G, I want you to go around. Jonas, I want you to get up. I know you're having an encounter with God, but I want you to get up. Someone help him with get up. And I want you to go pray for them. Pastor Jason and Tiffany, can you go and lay hands on the ones that have their hands lifted? Thank you, God, for strengthening his legs. And glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. And glorify thy name in all the earth. And we glorify thy name. And after you pray, after you pray, I want you to ask them to check their bodies. God, I thank you for issues in the stomach. Is there women in here that have digestive issues? Is there a woman in here that has a digestive issue? Wave at me. Wave at me if it's a, something in your stomach. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. No more issues in the stomach. As she feel heat, God, fill her stomach now. The healing oil of your spirit. And we glorify thy name. Glorify thy name. Glorify 
old mindsets. I thank you old doors are closing and new ones are going to open today. Jesus' mighty name. She's going to tell us a testimony, okay? Earlier during worship, I took off my shoes. I'm, I could never go anywhere without my shoes on because my feet would hurt so bad. And I told the Lord, I said, this is holy ground. My shoes have to go, but you're going to have to heal me. I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's September of, not this, this past September, but the September before. And that is an autoimmune disease that attacks your entire body. It attacks your joints. It attacks your muscles. And I couldn't close my hands. I couldn't move. I couldn't do anything without extreme pain. And it's gone. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm barefooted. And it's gone. Now, God, I ask that it never stay. Can, I, can you come here for a second? God, I ask that it never come back. Seal it over her life in Jesus' mighty name. Is there anyone else? If you notice change in your body, change in your body. I, I keep hearing this and I want to be obedient to it. Um, if you, and listen, here's the deal. We have to make a promise together. Here's the deal. I keep hearing this word. It's time to come out of hiding. It's time to come out of hiding. Jesus walks to the pool of Bethesda, and he says this statement. He says, he looks at a man that's been sick for 40 years, and he says to him, do you want to be healed? In other words, I think there's some people that enjoy being sick. And I feel like the Lord, even right now, is bringing freedom from anxiety, fear, suicidal thoughts, depression, when I pulled into this city, I felt a spirit of depression. May God's judgments, which is ripping away anything that hinders love, may it start in the house of the Lord. And so if you would be bold enough to say that you're, and I, and I specifically think it's when you're trying to fall asleep at night, like there is this constant anxiety. I want you to lift your hand if that's you, because we're going to get free from it. And I want you to come to the front. Come to the front. It's time to get free. We're coming out of hiding today. This is not a shame thing. This is a freedom thing. Come on. Holy Spirit, I ask you for freedom in Jesus' mighty name. Hey, Gerardo, whenever you're ready, I just need you to come up here. I thank you for freedom in Jesus' mighty name. This feeling of feeling lesser than. Like, what do I bring to the table? Scriptures tell us in Isaiah 62 that the Lord names us Hephzibah, which means God delights in you. He said your name will be Hephzibah, and the land in which you live he will call married. Every issue, every concern, every fear, I thank you you're going to heal the relationships. I just hear over you, your name is Hephzibah. He delights in you. Your name is Hephzibah. He delights in you. Gee, would you come and pray? Would you pray for them in the mic? Pray for freedom. Yeah. 
Yeah, I was just hitting this couple in the back, so I'm just going to pray it over the room. It was hitting them, and I just feel it. So right now, in Jesus' name, in the name of Jesus, God, every father wound, every parental rejection, every curse that's been spoken by broken homes, by parents, God, I thank you for freedom right now. I thank you that Abba is saying, you're my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. You're my son, you're my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. And I thank you that you're breaking performance. You're breaking the cold silence of you're not enough. God, I thank you that in their eyes you are more than enough. I feel the Lord saying it. You're more than enough. You're the desire of my heart. You're my masterpiece. You're my greatest creation. Jesus, I thank you for freedom right now. God, every curse, every curse, we break it now in Jesus' name. Where there's been fatherlessness, I thank you that Abba, 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 in Jesus' name, thank you for freedom, God. Thank you for freedom in Jesus' name. Oh, I feel it so strong, God. I thank you. Where there's been rejection, I thank you that you're bringing acceptance. Where fear has been spoken over your life, I thank you for boldness and for peace. And I feel this for some of you. As you forgive those that have missed. Mm, those that have abused you, as you forgive them, your body is going to be made whole. As you forgive those who maybe aren't even worthy of forgiveness, I feel like bodies are going to respond. So right now, Jesus, I thank you for forgiveness. I thank you that we will not pass that down to our children. God, I thank you teaching us how to love like you love. And our children are not going to suffer like we suffered, but they're only going to know glory, God. They're only going to know love and affection and your presence. And they're not going to suffer. Wow. I thank you, God, that they're not going to suffer like we suffered, Lord. Yeah. Break it right now. Every well. Every well. Okay, I do. I do. William, can I say, like, I, I think I have a word and all. So. Okay, I don't know if someone has back pain. But... Um, I feel like I heard specifically back pain, and then, does your back hurt? Okay, yeah. Well, I, yeah, if you, maybe if you want to come up, if it's for her, but if it's any, for anyone else, I saw this this morning, and I feel like this is the Lord, so I, I saw back pain, but specifically, I saw a knife, like in the back, you know, like when someone stabs you in the back. And I, I felt the Lord say, if you'll remove the knife, I'll remove the pain. So I feel like there's just a moment of forgiveness. I don't know if someone's hurt you, if someone's done you wrong. And they're probably not worthy of forgiveness. But that's the love of Jesus. Even when we don't deserve it, he loves us. And I feel the Lord saying, if you will be Christ in this moment, and you'll remove the back, I'll heal your back. So... Right now, I'm going to help you. We're going to do it together, okay? Is that cool? Yeah, maybe you can hold them. And I'm not going to say what. That's okay. 
something happens to you, like a betrayal, something like that happens to you. Yeah. yeah. You have leaders to forgive. If you have husbands, mothers, fathers, aunts, uncles to forgive, this is that moment. Close your eyes. Close your eyes. Just release them. Just release them. Thank you for a fresh baptism of your Holy Spirit. Fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, the purifying fire of the Holy Spirit. Purifying fire of the Holy Spirit, Lord. Just one more time, let's lift our hands. Every hand lifted. Father, we thank you that this will be known as a house of oil, a house of healing, a house of freedom. There's one key to the anointing in the Old Testament is that the anointing, we didn't own it. It doesn't belong to us. It's borrowed from the Holy Spirit. And it's anointed for. Jesus came and he quotes Isaiah 61. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to heal the sick, to mend the brokenhearted, to release captives from prison. So, Lord, I thank you for a fresh baptism of compassion on these people. A fresh baptism of compassion in Jesus' mighty name. That we have been anointed to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom. That we have been anointed to heal the sick, to raise the dead in Jesus' mighty name. Is all the back pain gone? It's, gone. Is the it's completely gone. <laughs> Come on, give the Lord praise.
Casey. I want you guys to lift your hands towards us. We're going to pray for Casey, and she's going to get healed today. There's a couple more that are, that are up here that are going to get healed today. Do you guys believe that? Yes. yes. So we're going to continue to worship. Reach your hands towards them, and let's just believe in what God says it's already done. We're not in a hurry. If you have to go, go ahead. But we're going to stay right here in the presence. Is there anybody here that has foot pain, specifically left foot pain? I'm believing for healing for that in my own foot. And so if anybody else has it, 
come up here and so we can pray together and see it manifest together. You got the 